Hello, church, and welcome to the new season of the Southwest Church of Christ podcast. If you've been tuning in for the last 14 weeks or so, uh, Jonathan Dandy and I have been going through the Minor Prophets, and we wrapped up that study. We covered uh, six of the 12 Minor Prophets in that first series. And so now we're going to shift gears a little bit. So after talking with uh, our elders, talking with uh, the education deacons uh, for adult education, so if you know Mark Compton or Ken Hines, uh, we've talked with them. We kind of try to figure out where we want to go with the podcast. So with all the challenges, not being able to meet as a body, not being able to have Bible classes, how do we want to use this resource that we have? And, and I'm excited to say that this week we are starting our new season or our new series, and uh, we're going to do a series of interviews with the elders from Southwest. Um, now, I was going to call this series Interviews with the Elderly, but I was told that that was maybe not the most uh, sensitive terminology, so we're just going to call it Interviews with the Elders. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to this because we have we set out two goals. So the first goal, you know, as with an interview like this, is to get to know them, to get to know their wives, uh, their childhood, how they became a Christian, the way God's had an impact on their life. And I think their testimony, we'll find, is going to be powerful. Uh, but... I think it's also important because as we get to know them, uh, we can better relate to people when we know what they've been through. Uh, we haven't all grown up with the same experiences. We don't all have the same perspective. And it's that diversity, I think, that makes us stronger as a body. And so I think as we get to have these conversations with them uh, and their wives in some cases, I think we'll find uh, just some of that common ground that can you know, unite us and bring us closer as a church, which is a challenge with uh, right now with not being able to gather together to worship. So I hope that that aspect of this series is a blessing and encouragement for you and for your family. Uh, the other thing that we're going to spend some time talking about, though, is the vision. So I don't know, I haven't actually gone and double-checked, but I'm pretty sure almost every week, if you've been watching the YouTube worship services, uh, I think Barry's mentioned the vision almost, if not every single week. And I think that's important because... When things around you are changing, when things around you are suddenly upended, uh, it's important to be reminded time and again of what's important. And so the vision is something that, you know, that the elders and the ministers of the church and a lot of the deacons and other leaders within the congregation uh, spend a lot of time praying, searching the scriptures, and really leaning on the Holy Spirit to guide us and point us in the direction that God has willed for us. And it's interesting, I think, that you know, we, we kind of had this plan and this vision that we, you know, established and now everything's changing, but now we have this uh, vision to kind of look forward to as we try to figure out and answer the questions like, what is the new normal? How are we as a, a body going to be able to meet together with some of the restrictions in place? And, you know, when you start looking about some of these goals with the focus on small groups, life groups, every member, a minister, having a school of discipleship, some of these goals and priorities suddenly seem, it seems crystal clear why God made these a priority, because with our changing culture and society, uh, those are going to be critical and key for the church to continue to grow uh, and to be a light to the world. So I, I think I'll be, I'm excited that we're going to get to sit down and talk to the elders and just kind of hear their passion and their heart for some of these elements of the vision and so, so with that, uh, our first episode, our first interview this week, uh, I had the opportunity to sit down with Mike Anderson. Uh, now, I've known Mike and Kathy for quite a few years. Uh, I've been a member at Southwest. Marie and I have for going on 16 years. And so I've known Mike and Kathy for most of that time. And um, we've had a chance to do Bible studies with them over the years. And I've gotten to teach classes with Mike. Yet 
it still is, you know, really great and encouraging as, you know, Mike and I had the chance to sit down. I still learned things about he and Kathy that I never knew because uh, I never thought to ask. So um, I was encouraged by it. I hope and pray you will be as well. And with that, let's jump right into this week's interview with Mike Anderson. Okay, welcome. I am uh, here with Mike Anderson. This is our, our first interview in our series with the elders. So, Mike, thank you for joining me. Good to be here. Uh, so, you know, the plan that we've talked about, you know, I just want to spend a little bit of time getting to know you, who you are, uh, you know, what it was like growing up for you, how you became a Christian, things like that. Uh, and, and then also shift and spend some time also talking about your work as an elder at the church with the vision and just kind of things that are, you know, on your mind, things that you're passionate about. So, that's kind of where we want to go. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if we can get there in a, a timely manner. Uh, but for starters, uh, just, you know, if you could just tell me about your childhood, you know, where you grew up, uh, what it was like growing up, when you became a Christian, and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I was born about six months after the end of World War II in January of 1946. My mother and my dad had met in Texas, where my mother is from. My mother was a Christian. My dad was not. Um, my, uh, in fact, my mother's uh, father was, a, uh, was an elder in the church. And um, after my, my dad was discharged, which was probably a month or two after I was born, uh, they moved north to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where my dad was from. And that's where I grew up. And uh, fortunately, it, there was the church, the Church of Christ was there. In, uh, there was a congregation in Milwaukee. And I remember going there just a little bit when I was really young, three and four. I remember standing in the pew. I remember getting into trouble, you know, and things like <laughs> no. that. And, and then um, we lived with my grandparents in their rooming house until I was about six. Spent a lot of time with my grandfather, who was a tough old man, but he was really a, a wonderful grandfather. And I, I kind of, he was my, really my male uh, image growing mm. up. And um, and then we moved, we bought a house not too far away, and I don't exactly know what happened, but my dad um, went through a really controlling period in his life, and he would not let my mother go to church. Mm. So I grew up really not going to church. Um, in 1958, my mother um, found out that she had advanced breast cancer. She had a mastectomy, a one-sided mastectomy. Uh, it was really bad. In those days, they really didn't yeah. you know, have the technique down. Right. There was no chemotherapy. She had radiation treatment. Um, her life expectancy, we at that point, was five years, but we didn't know that. Right. Um, during that period of time, when my mother went through this mastectomy, she stood up to my dad. In fact, it was... There a, apparently there was a really tough hospital scene where my mother told my dad that if um, he didn't let her go back to church, she was going to take the kids and leave. Wow. And there were five, there were four children. I was the oldest at that time. And that was pretty unheard of in, mm -hmm. uh, in, uh, in the 50s. And my dad backed off. And to his credit, he supported my mother as long as she was alive. And we started going to church. And then we moved to a suburb of Milwaukee, a blue-collar suburb, and, and it happened to be, you know, just by, just by God's providence that there, that there was a church there. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I started going to church at 12, and frankly, I, I didn't want to be there. I remember <laughs> telling my mother, 
I came home from my paper route and I told my mother I wasn't going to go. And my dad was standing there. And my mother, who was very mild-mannered, she just got all over me. And I looked to my dad and he would not look me at And so and I, 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 I knew at that point that was it. So yeah. I went. And you know, I had no idea what they were talking about, justification and faith and salvation and all those kinds of things. <clears throat> and I was bored. But at the same time, I was bored enough to try to figure out what this stuff meant. <laughs> and so I was 12 years old at that point in time. A year later, I went to, uh, I was able to attend Wisconsin Christian Youth Camp, which was a 13-day camp in western Wisconsin. And um, for the first time in my life, I got to see how Christian people lived. Now, my mother was a Christian, and she lived like one, but my dad did not. And so it made, it, made the household um, uneven at the very least. And so, um, but I saw at Wisconsin Christian Youth Camp in those 13 days. I got to see people, you know, had it, there were problems, right? you know, but at the same time, I got to see them resolved and, and, and no TV, no swearing. My dad, it was, that was a daily, hourly event. And, you know, things like, you know, it was just, it was, and it made a huge impact in my life. Um, and so uh, two years later, I went again to Wisconsin Christian Youth Camp and I was baptized there. And, uh, and I was 15 years old. And, uh, and it was, uh, it was, it hit me by surprise, to be honest with you, because I had fought it. I really had. Yeah. And uh, finally, I, I just gave up. I didn't know, you know, I knew what to do, but I didn't want to do it. And I finally just uh, gave into it. One night. <laughs> and so um, a year and a half, about a little over a year later, a year and a half later, my mother died unexpectedly. Mm. And it was the necessitized. Wound up in her liver. She turned yellow, you know, went into the hospital. We got all got called home from school. And my dad told us that she had died. And, you know, it was a really a tragic event for all of us. And, um, and so um, really I stopped going to church for about two years. And I really did not blame God. I always, oh, it's funny, it was always, I always believed in God. I didn't have that issue. And I didn't blame God for, for it. I didn't understand what was going on. But um, I just stopped going. It was a practice. And then yeah. I met Kathy. Uh, and then um, and she encouraged me to go to ch back to church. And so um, uh, I did. In 1965, January, I walked into the church. And I was welcomed with open arms. And, uh, and so I, and I've always appreciated that. So that's yeah. kind of my, that's my childhood. So you didn't feel judged when you went back? Just no, of... in fact, um, one of the men, um, Oscar Fox, somebody turned to Oscar and said to him, um, do, do, you, do you know Mike? And he said, I'd know Mike anywhere. And, and I only had one event with him. He drove me back from the camp before our trip with his wife and two daughters. That's the only time I really spent any time with him. Yeah. And so it really made me feel welcome. Yeah. So. And I imagine, too, I mean, just I'm sure the church was, you know, involved and helpful, you know, just dealing with everything, you know, with your mom passing. And yeah, my dad did probably a lot aware. of it, though. And that was that was he kept everything at arm's length. And it would have been easier if if he would have allowed them to help. You know, the, the preacher Monroe Hawley, 
was he would stay in touch, particularly with me. Yeah. And I was working in a grocery store at the time he'd stop in. And um, it was gentle. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't every week or anything like that. It was, you know, once or twice or maybe three times a year. And, um, and so it was, you know, um, no guilt trip, you know, encouragement. And that always made it, that always, that really made an impact when I came back. It really yeah. did. Yeah. So you mentioned Kathy. Um, and that's one of the things I did want to make sure we spent some time talking about because, you know, uh, it's one thing I realize, you know, there's a reason I believe that in the Bible, God makes one of the requirements for being an elder is being a husband of one wife, but being a husband, you know, because uh, in my experience in marriage, and I, I know you would agree, you know, our wives shape us so much. And it's, you know, we talk about two becoming one, it's so much more than just, you know, two becoming one flesh, but you really do, you know, your, your hopes, dreams, values, everything kind of comes together. And so, you know, it's, it's really hard. You can't talk about Mike without also talking about Kathy. Right. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, how, how did you guys meet? How did you, how did you first get to know Kathy? And well, we were both going to the university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, which was about 20,000 students, no dormitories in those days. Mm -hmm. Everybody commuted in and, um, and, uh, a friend of mine, um, who was also a Christian at the time, he uh, introduced me, he, he told me about uh, Kathy and he introduced me on a blind date. And my normal story is I never did that again. You know? <laughs> and, but Kathy was, um, she grew up in a completely different household than me. She was Episcopalian. Uh, she loved God, but she didn't know really anything about the Bible. Um, and and it took me, a, it took me, I was not capable of really teaching her, but I got her to come and she did learn that she could have a personal relationship with God, a personal relationship. And I really, what, what I did was I asked her a series of questions. Why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And she went back to the Episcopal church and, and it was questions resonated in her mind and she realized that she really didn't know why when mm -hmm. they were doing what they did. And so she started attending with me and um, she was baptized in the fall of 1966, a little more than a year before we were married. What she didn't know was that I was not going to marry a, somebody who was not a Christian. Mm. And I made up my mind pretty early not to do that based on seeing how um, unequally yoked parents don't, it didn't work. Right. And I was a real reaction to that. And I kind of had um, made a commitment to myself that I was not going to marry uh, somebody unless she was a Christian. Yeah. So we were married in December of 1967, two days before Christmas. <laughs> uh, we have three kids. Mm -hmm. And we have, better yet, we have three grandchildren. Um, uh, we lived in uh, Wisconsin. We lived in Arizona for a short time. We were moved back uh, by the company I was working for, back to Wisconsin. Um, we were there until 1984. We lived in Iowa while I worked in Illinois on the other side of the Mississippi River for a few, for a short time. And we've been here in, in Oregon now for uh, 33 years, a little over 33 years. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, I really could not be an elder without Kathy's help and support. And there is no doubt about that. 
and you know to and you know she is uh, hospitable um from early on when um, um she and i when I would study with people, she was always a part of it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it was helping taking care of the kids. And we used our own children, too, at the same time. Sometimes um, if they had kids their ages, they'd go off and play. And Kathy and I would study with the couple. Mm -hmm. And um, and so um, uh, Kathy's always been, that's been a very um, important element. Kathy would jump in and do whatever she had to do to help the study. Um, and um, Kathy's also, she's just really oriented to kids. She's um, helped raise and daycare our grandchildren right from birth. Mm -hmm. And and in the summertime, we still uh, daycare our grandchildren. So she's really, um, um, and I'll, when I get into, you know, some other areas of, of my elder, eldership, I'll, um, well, I guess I could do that now. Um, you know, um, we did His Needs, Her Needs together. And we did eight sessions and uh, in eight or ten sessions in eight years in the, in the early 2000s. Um, and we learned to do it together. She had jo her job and I had my job. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. Facilitating a lot of work. And, and um, um, she's helped me in personal Bible, Bible studies. She does her own Bible studies together. Um, um, I, I like to teach. And a lot of times I'll bounce stuff off of her. Um, um, you know, she, she's just been such an important part of what I do and jumps in wherever I, you know, and I support her and her, what she does at the same time. Um, I guess going on my own elder focuses, I've, I, I do study, I spend a lot of time studying the Bible because I'm, if I don't, I spend, you know, normally I spend an hour maybe two hours and most days because if you know if you're not a student first you can't be a teacher right you've got to just stay on it and and you know and so and there's always something new to learn um i enjoy discipling spending time with uh, on one-on-one -on -one generally with the uh, younger men and sometimes kathy and i have done couples we've done at least a couple of couples we've worked with a couple of couples mm -hmm. um over the last few years yeah i remember that was probably getting going close to seven years ago uh you guys came over when you know marina i think it was shortly after maddie was born <laughs> we did that study on i think it was abraham um but i that, i know that on our family that that really made an impact on us and that's something we really appreciated it well, we we enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, and uh, you have, you have five kids now. We Jonathan, do. Yeah. Andy is another one. They have eight. So mm -hmm. so it's just uh, yeah. It's a, it's been an interesting experience. Um, uh, so and I also the other thing is with life groups. Um, uh, we've and at times I've worked with multiple life groups. In fact, Kathy banned me from having more than two <laughs> life groups. I had three for a while, and uh, I really do enjoy life groups. And I think they make a huge, um, they really help people become Christians mm -hmm. and, and, and become stronger Christians. And I'm part of, of one life group. I don't lead it. Uh, Howard and Sackett and Al Ellis lead it. I do a lot of the teaching. And then we started one right as this COVID-19 started. We had 19, mostly women. I think it was all women except me. Um, and we had 16 the first time and then eight the following time. And then after that, we couldn't meet, yeah. which is really, <laughs> right. really bad. 
Um, but anyway, those are those are my strong suits as far as uh, things I really enjoy working with as an elder. Yeah, and that is one thing um, you know that I really appreciate is uh, you know not to take anything away. I know uh, a lot of people in our church that have gone to Bible colleges and stuff, but that was one thing that always impressed me about you know you as a teacher and as I've had the opportunity to study and teach with you is. You know, you, your knowledge of the Bible comes from what you just mentioned. It's just that love of digging into Scripture and studying the Scripture. And, uh, you know, for me as someone, you know, in a similar vein where I, I have a passion, I do love to read and study. And I love as I learn things, I love to then teach. Uh, but it's, it's encouraging to me to, you know, be around someone like yourself that, you know, can take that and isn't intimidated by, you know, well, I didn't go to a Bible college and I didn't do this because because really that's, you know, we're going to pivot to the vision here. And that's one of the, the things is everyone in the minister. And, you know, that's that's one of the things I think that's really important as a church to grasp and understand is that, you know, we, we take the strengths that God gives us. And, you know, if you have an opportunity or a calling to go to a Bible college, that's fantastic. And you can learn a ton. But if you haven't been to a Bible college, that doesn't mean that you're disqualified from teaching and from, you know, taking what you've learned and what God's done in you. Uh, and that's one thing I really appreciate, again, about uh, just you know, your excitement and enthusiasm for teaching and willingness to teach. Uh, that's been a big encouragement uh, to me, you know, over the years. So I really appreciate that. And I yeah. think that, for instance, I, I learned as much from people I've worked with over the years as I have maybe taught them, maybe more, to be honest with you. And um, I really think that um, uh, you, you have, if you're not learning from somebody else, maybe you're not doing a good, good job teaching. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I, I did want to talk uh, while I've got you here uh, a little bit about the vision, um, because that is something, you know, we, we've been talking about it for a couple of years now as a church and, you know, implementing and building it in. Uh, and it seems like, uh, you know, with the, with everything going on around us with COVID, it seems, you know, like the, the church hasn't backed off. If anything, it seems like there is, you know, and I think that's good because it gives us kind of that focus. And as, as things are evolving around us and we're trying to figure out what the new normal is. Uh, it's good to be reminded with, you know, where we feel God leading us and where we're trying to go. So um, with with the vision, um, you know, and where, where do you see yourself fitting in? Like, what are you most passionate about in, uh, about the vision? And what are the areas that you're, you know, the most uh, excited to kind of get in? And, you know, especially once things start to return to normal uh, with, you know, in regards to, to the 23 vision for the church. Yeah, I think that, you know, you know, if you look at, you know, the, the year of prayer and and you know, and being a, a, a servant, you know, um, concept and things like that have really provided a foundation. But for me, the, the school of discipleship is the thing that's got me the uh, most excited. Um, you know, it's um, something that we're we're still working toward figuring out. You know, we've got some ideas. In fact, we've we've made some headway. And, and, and coming to grips with what it's going to look like. But, you know, where, you know the, the issue comes down to where is God going to lead us in this? And what is the timing? Because we have timing issues and we kind of push, you know, we kind of wondered about what's going to happen in 21 and, and, and things like that. But, um, you know, it's God's timing. You know, we're going to learn, I think we're going to learn as much as a congregation, we're going to learn as much and be as changed as we are going to change lives mm-hmm. for the students in this school of discipleship. I really do believe that. I think we're learning a lot from the COVID right now situation. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, to me, that's the most exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's it's I, I, we have um, I know Craig um, Benjamin has got a, a prayer group that uh, the different days of the month they pray over the school of discipleship and and I've got one of those days and um, you know what what is this going to look really look like and how is this going to change the congregation and we're going to be needing mentors for students and disciplers and you know, we're going to need grandmas for maybe, you know, and, you know, um, things like that for some of these students. And, um, and so, um, you know, those, those are, that's the, that's the issue for me. It's really uh, going to make a big difference in our lives, yeah. I think, for our congregation. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, especially with all the uncertainty around COVID, um, you know, where we're going to wind up on the other end of this, that, you know, some of the things, you know, just what we're doing here, you know, creating a podcast. This is something that I, I know wasn't even on my radar a year ago, um, you know, six months ago. Right. Um, but this, you know, just some of these tools and things that we're now starting to tap into and try to utilize to, you know, encourage, educate, build up things like that. Uh, you know, I, I see so much potential, right. uh, you know, because when you start, you know, as much as I love getting together as a, a large group and I'm very much looking forward to doing that again, uh, it's amazing you realize, uh, you know, how much, though, you can still accomplish, you know, one-on-one -on -one in small groups and really, you know, the impact you have on your neighbors. Uh, we've had the opportunity to get to know our neighbors a lot better <laughs> since nobody's been traveling and getting, you know, we really don't get out much anymore other than at our home in our neighborhood. And just seeing the the opportunities there to encourage, build up, and, you know, even bring the light to others that, you know, haven't mm -hmm. been uh, converted. So, mm -hmm. And, and we've just moved. In fact, we're just like eight minutes walk from the church building now, and it's in an over 55 community, Summerfield. And I've, I've met more neighbors in the last six or seven weeks than, than I did at 18 years living before where we lived. And, and we've had some opportunities. And I know Kathy has been talking to the people next door about coming over for, you know, maybe a meal or just, you know, to get to know each other and, and things like that. And so, um, um, you know, I think that that we we need to we really need to work toward getting into that into that mindset of being willing to share ourselves mm -hmm. and share uh, the, the, what Jesus has really done for us. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think we're we're getting near the uh, the end of our time. Uh, we're trying to keep these close to thirty minutes, uh, more digestible. <laughs> uh, but but. Kind of the, the last parting shot, I just kind of want to give you a chance, you know, your, uh, what, what's, your, what's your favorite Bible verse and why? Well, I think that, that uh, my, my favorite, favorite Bible verse came out of what the shepherd's prayer was last Sunday, which is that the current one, it's the mm -hmm. flavor of the month maybe, or the, of the last few <laughs> years. Out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 11, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men, jumping to 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And, and here's, here's the point of all of that. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Mm -hmm. We need, and, I, and I'm going to say we, I need to see people from God's perspective. And it's so easy to write off people. Yeah. And you have a neighbor across the street, his language is bad and his attitude is so-so and things like that. And I, you know, I was over there talking with him last night and, 
And um, and I thought and I thought to myself, you know, Mike, you need to. This is a really good case study for you. You need to be working on him mm-hmm. and not writing him off because right. you know he needs Christ just like like anybody else needs Christ. And and you know that tough exterior, Vietnam vet, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, Christ can overcome that yep. real easy. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time uh, and uh, look forward uh, hopefully to, again, getting everyone back together to worship soon and just seeing where this vision takes us. So uh, for those listening, just ask that you, you know, continue to pray for the church, continue to pray for the vision. And, uh, and also this is a great time with everything going on to take take to heart that other aspect of the vision, which is everyone's a minister. We all, we all have unique opportunities in our community to see people, as you just mentioned in that, you know, uh, not from a worldly point of view, but from a Christian, you know, from God's eyes uh, and to seize those opportunities that God gives us. So uh, thank you for joining us and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. All right. Well, there you have it. So thank you so much again for joining us this week. Uh, I hope you were encouraged and blessed by this. Uh, If you join us next week, Ken Hines is sitting down with Dave and Gail Hess. So I'm very excited to hear uh, their perspective, their you know childhood, how they met, all that good stuff, um, and just their their vision for the church or where they see themselves uh, really contributing to the vision. So so join us next week. You won't be disappointed. Uh, hope you have a wonderful and amazing week. Uh, God bless. Take care.